Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined from Louisville, Kentucky by Dave Blackford. Dave, how's it going? It's going good. It's the dead season. So we got the finals. We got the NBA finals coming up. And then after that, all we have to do is talk and talk and fill space. And luckily, we have enough absurdity going on that we can probably fill this podcast for about an hour. Yeah, hopefully it won't be as long as we have been. I got I got all types of stuff to do around here, as you know. I'm a very busy man, uh, tremendously busy. Speaking of which, Rob Cassidy, too busy to join us tonight. Uh, he's got family in town or, or something like that. So he's so he's out, and he'll never listen to this, so we have free reign to make fun of him as, as much as we would. <laughs> yeah, shout out to, to Rob Cassidy, who has family in town, but uh, Dave, the lawyer slash single dad slash uh, mule is is on a podcast as scheduled. All right. We want to remind everybody, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Rivals Woody. Dave is at Rivals Dave, much to the chagrin of uh, Dave Barry, our videographer, uh, who somehow does not have that handle. I don't yeah, know. listen, I, Dave, hit me up, bro. I'm I'm cheap, man. You know, we can we can do this for three digits, man. High three digits, but three digits nonetheless. Would you take it for what were, how many pairs of shoes would it take? Uh, I want the retro fours, the, the all black with the, the gray trim and a little red in it. I, I actually do it for a pair of retro fours, which will run them about $300. Yeah. Well, those are gettable. Uh, I know, uh, Amari Rogers, Clemson wide receivers always posted on Instagram how he's got the plug on the shoes. So. Yo, tell Amari if he's a friend of the show to hit me up. I've almost bought those shoes about seven times, but I'm 41 years old and I cannot justify spending that amount of money on a pair of shoes. Well, listen, Rob Cassidy probably owns 20 plus pairs of shoes that he paid that much or more for, uh, that he gets dirty very, very quickly, very easily. So, uh, you know, it definitely, definitely happens. How was Rob getting his shoes dirty? Is he like going, like running through the fields and playing Um, in the mud or something? He's an adult who lives in a city where it's mostly concrete. How is he getting his shoes dirty? He's a a bull in a China shop, man. He'll find a way. (laughs) Um, He's a downhill linebacker bull in a China shop. Right. Exactly. All right. So let's jump right into the topics. Like I said, we're not going to uh, try to go too long tonight, but we do want to give you guys an episode. Keep being consistent. Um, Brew McCoy, the talk of the town. And by the time this podcast might come out, he might have already figured it out. But uh, our boy Brew, so for bringing you up to speed, commits to USC at the uh, All-American game, whatever they're calling it now, in San Antonio. He commits, enrolls early at USC, gets there, hangs out for a couple of weeks. Cliff Kingsbury takes the job coaching the Cardinals. He decides he doesn't want to go to USC anymore, changes his mind, and transfers to Texas and immediately moves out there and enrolls in classes. Now, this this uh, led us to change. The, I believe Mike Farrell called it the Brew McCoy rule. Might have even written an article about it. Because he transferred before the second signing period, we counted him in Texas's recruiting class, which caused all types of drama among uh, the Big 12 uh, faithful, especially Oklahoma fans, because I believe it pushed Texas over them in the recruiting rankings. It was something that we definitely talked about internally. He spends spring there at Texas, goes home. A lot, a lot of athletes are home now during the break. 
uh, based on uh, social media, from what I can tell. People got a couple times off before we really ramp up for the summer. And he's out in California, stays, gets out there and realizes, man, I don't want to go back to Texas. I'm homesick. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is it. I want to stay here. I want to transfer again. Now, uh, a source told me Saturday night that all this was going down, right? And I thought they were like joking. <laughs> they were like, Brew wants to go back to USC. And I was like, ah, good one. You know, he said, no, dead serious. So next thing you know, the news breaks on Sunday. It was the same thing that I was hearing. I think basically it was just the, the rumors were cooking. What made it interesting was there was a big event going on out there. Steve Clarkson's uh, quarterback retreat event where you had all types of people there, uh, all types of former, you know, notable, notable recruits and current college quarterbacks. And that's, I think that's how the news kind of spread. Uh, now the word was tonight is that everybody's flying out there, including Herman, uh, Sam Ellinger, the quarterback who was at that event, which leads me to believe is he already out there. I don't know. Uh, and then I think the director of player personnel, it was, it was recorded by uh, Orange Bloods, our, our own Texas site. So, Dave, what what do you say about all this now they got you up to speed and everyone else? What do you think about this Brew McCoy situation? I we are always a proponent of players should be able to do what they want to do and transfer, right? We're we're pro player, are we not? Yeah. Does this, this situation kind of make you dial that back a little bit? That's my question to you before I get into my take on it. He, I mean, he could do whatever he wants, but he's definitely got to sit out the season, right? Does he? Why? Yeah. Why does he have to yeah. sit out the season? I mean, <laughs> look, I, the rules are still in place, so he hadn't even been approved to to to, uh, to not sit out at Texas. So, I mean, why uh, should he be able to play right away at USC? I'll lawyer you. He hadn't been he, – so he committed to USC where he was allowed to play right away. He transferred to Texas and they said, well, okay, we're going we're gonna to look at this and we're going to pass down a decision whether or not you could play immediately. Right, but, but before that – so before that. that – well, okay, so they haven't even submitted it, but, you know, it's on the docket. And then he goes back – he hasn't gone back to USC right now. So no. officially he's still a Texas guy, but we're, we're – operating on the premise that he is going back to USC. Did he ever really transfer to Texas? Well, yeah, because he went and took classes and practice. But, but he was a student, but he wasn't a football player. So does it count for like a roster spot or does it count for taking classes? Because, you know, there's a student and there's a student athlete. Well, that's he was why a student, he but he wasn't a student athlete. Right. But that's why he needed the waiver to begin with is because it just goes on enrolling in school. You know? But did he need a waiver to enroll in classes or did he need a waiver to participate as an athlete? That's, see, this is, the, this is the nuance that I deal with every day as a lawyer, right? And these are the type of things that will be brought up. Now, so I guess your answer is what, Woody? What is your answer to my initial question, which is – do the players get free reign to transfer and should that be a thing for them? Because this is the nightmare scenario when you think you have good legislation, you think you have a good law passed that allows 
people to have autonomy. In this instance, the players who normally don't have much power. So you give them the power and then they do this. So is this like the exception to our rule, which is players should be allowed to transfer and have the autonomy to, to make these kind of decisions in general, but this kind of situation where you were already committed somewhere you were actually signed somewhere, then there was a coaching change, right? And so Cliff Kingsbury goes to the NFL and he says, oh, this isn't what I thought it was, so I'm going to transfer somewhere else. He transfers somewhere else and then they saw, they hired Graham Harrell, who's pretty much Cliff Kingsbury, right? I mean, he was a T, uh, Texas Tech quarterback, played in that type of system, is going to run that kind of offense. And he says, oh, wait. I could stay home and still play in the same sort of situation. That's not what happened. It doesn't have anything to do with football. That's the issue, Dave. He's not the the bottom line is Brew McCoy. I'm beginning to wonder that I'm beginning to wonder if he even wants to play football. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a gifted athlete. You're going down the football coach. You're going going down the football coach path right now. No, I'm not because look, this is not just like this isn't has not you're sitting here saying it has to do with coaching. It has nothing to do with coaching. It has a fact to do that he went one place, decided he didn't like it, immediately left within a month. Okay, less than a less than a month. He decided I'm out. Okay. He then goes to Texas, where he allegedly, you know, had such a great relationship with the staff, so much so that that he re- immediately regretted not going there. He gets there. Seems to enjoy himself. Then he goes home and he doesn't want to go back. I mean, he didn't He didn't go out to USC's football practice and say, man, I really like the way this offense looks. He went and slept in his own bed at his mom's house and decided he wanted to stay there. Well, that's 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 kind of speculation, but... No, it's not speculation. It's a okay, weird story. Well, the story... Here's, here's what I... Here's the way I see it, right? So... <sighs> All right, so McCoy told Coach Helton he intends to leave Texas and return to USC after being assured there was a scholarship available to him. Other coaches on USC staff are expecting McCoy to come back as well. Per sources, I'm told McCoy, who was apparently in Southern California, has been considering this move for some time and has made the decision to rejoin the Trojans. That's according to the rival site, Trojansports.com. Go over there and check it out, right? So, so to me, I'm saying what your scenario could be correct. You know, he could be homesick, but uh, one of the things that we give players an out for, one of the reasons we say players should be able to transfer is because during this early signing period, they commit to a coach. Now, one of the the stupidest, most shop-worn cliches that we hear in college football recruiting is you commit to a school, not a coach, right? But if you're a certain type of player and you're going to thrive in a certain style of offense, you're going to commit to that style because you're going to get film and it's going to help you get to the league. So if you have Cliff Kingsbury there as the coach who's going to run a certain type of offense that's going to prominently feature wide receivers in space and then he leaves, that throws a huge red flag up to you. And of course the player should be able to make a decision with his best financial interest because the interest is to get to a place where he's going to be featured in a way that's going to get him filmed to get to the money in the NFL. Right, but you keep bringing it back to football. Here's, Here's another story. According, this is from Chip Brown, former Rivals employee. 
According to one source close to the family, it's because McCoy, who has spent his entire life in Southern California, has a severe case of homesickness. Everyone wants to know why this is happening. Brew's a really good kid. He just misses home way more than he thought. It has nothing to do with getting to the league. That's why I'm telling you, I don't even know if he wants to play football, Dave. Like, I've had a lot of people message me and ask me. I've talked to Brew. He's a nice, nice kid, you know, from the interactions I've had with him. Comes from a, you know, seems like a good family. I met his dad. I mean, you know, but but the bottom line is just because you're good at football doesn't mean you want to play. And, no, I agree with that. Uh, Ricky Williams. Right. Example. So uh, guess what? I didn't like playing football and I was way better at football than I was at any other sport. And I didn't no. mean I like to play it. Because so, football, is, football sucks. I mean, it, I'll, I'll go back to what I heard Coach Fickle, the Cincinnati coach, say at the Cincinnati camp one time. He said, not everybody's a football player because football, you only play maybe 13 games if you're lucky. You know, you're probably only going to play 10. And the rest of the year, you got to eat right. You got to train right. Uh, you have to come to practice for the summer, two a days, and you have to sweat and you have to work and you only get to play 10 to 13 games, right? In the NFL, you play 16 games and you might be playing seven of those knowing that you're not going to the playoffs and you're not going to win. So the whole entire time you're playing, it's not like baseball where you're playing every day. It's not like basketball where you're actually playing the game every day. Football is you're playing very limited amounts of actual games and everything else is preparation. You know, so I, I get that. So maybe he doesn't want to play football, but at the same time, maybe he wants to go to a place where it's more comfortable for him to do all of the the stuff that sucks to be prepared for the games. So I, I don't know. I, I just I don't want to go out and say the kid's giving up on football. Well, neither, because neither am I. I'm just saying, like, but, but let's not act like. Look, you want to transfer three times in six months? You're not going to have. A, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be on your side for saying you should be able to play right away. No, I get that. And I feel you. And you've, you've done this way longer than me. Is this the most odd thing you've seen in recruiting? I mean, let's think about it. USC and Texas are still essentially recruiting their 2019 class right now. Yeah, exactly. And the season starts in like three months. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'll tell you this. All right, so here's what I wrote down. So so Texas has had some weird issues with receivers since Herman's been there, okay? So they had Rondale Moore committed to them, and they ended up losing him to Purdue because at that time they were actively recruiting uh, Jalen Waddell, who is a Texas kid who was offered kind of late in the process by them, who is and, – and I think you can make an argument that, you know, had Jalen Waddell went to Purdue, he'd have put up to kind of the same numbers as Rondale Moore did, right? So you kind of can argue that Jalen Waddell and Rondale Moore were two of the best slot receivers in that 2018 class. Jalen Waddell is from Texas, and Rondale's from Kentucky. They took Rondale – they took his commitment, but they continued to recruit Jaden Waddle. And because they continued to recruit Jaden Waddle, Rondale ended up at Purdue and Jalen Waddle ended up at Alabama. So they end up empty handed in the slot for 2018. Now they have the Brew McCoy problem, right? And uh, the, the constant here is uh, Drew Maringer. And that's a name, that's a name that we could put on the things that Dave can't 
pronounce. I think Maringer is how you say yeah, it, but I'm not sure. Right, actually, surprisingly. Nice. So he's he's kind of been like much maligned, you know. So we talked last episode about how many dudes did Florida drive by to get or fly over to get Chris Steele, who eventually ends up going back to California, right? So how many dudes did Texas fly over to get Rondale Moore? How many dudes did Texas fly over to get Brew McCoy, and now they're probably going to end out uh, end up without Jalen Waddle, without Rondell Moore, and without Brew McCoy. So, is the is the lesson from all of this? Recruit your home base. You know, throw throw every resource you have and all your efforts at the Jalen Waddles, and forego the Rondell Moores, and forego the Brew McCoys. Uh, I like I said. Uh, we talked about this last week. I think so. I mean, I also, th- you know, the Rondale Moore recruiting story, you know, we can revisit it over and over again, but the amount of mixed messages that were going on from the time he committed to the time he signed, I mean. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I became a Purdue legend because the day he committed to Texas, I went on a Purdue board and I said, yeah, I know he just committed to Texas, but. I still think he's going to end up at Purdue market, right? So the day that Rondell commits on the at the Under Armour all at the at the Army All American game back then it was the Army All American game. Who knows what it is now? But uh, I remember somebody tweeting out, "Dave Lackford called this on the Purdue board the day he committed to Texas." So that was my claim to fame because it came out of nowhere that he committed to Texas. He came out there, fell in love with the school. He fell in love with the academics. Rondell's an academic All American as a freshman last year, and. Uh, I just was like, what is Texas doing? Like they should be on Jalen Waddle because he's a Texas kid. And and one of the biggest things that came up amongst the circle of Rondale's people was if Rondale goes out there and drops a couple early passes, all these Texas high school coaches are going to start getting mad at Tom Herman saying, you passed over our guy to take this guy? You're not even a Texas guy. Well, that's always an issue for for Texas, for, especially guys who go out of state and you have a higher rank. I mean, any former football player will tell you that. But but bottom line is, let's let's get back on on topic. I just think Brew doesn't know what he wants to do. He's a kid. I think the addition of the transfer portal has made it you know easier for people to change their minds and kind of have an out. I think, you know, there's how many stories have you heard about guys who, you know, oh, I wanted to leave and I didn't, you know, through, throughout the years, but because they didn't have the transfer portal at their, uh, you know, at their fingertips. And I, yeah. and I don't have a problem with it, but I just think, you know, unfortunately for Brew, you know, this is all playing out in public. He's getting, re- I mean, I think it's on, you know, we're talking like PTI and Sports Center and, as it should be, because it's a great story when there's nothing else going on. We're in, right. the, yeah, we're in the law between the conference finals and the NBA finals. There's nothing else going on. And this kid who was committed to USC, then goes to Texas, then go is now going back to USC. I mean, what what a crazy story that is, you know? Right. So, so rightfully anyway. so. Media, media should be on this, you know? <laughs> well, hopefully, Brew uh... – <laughs> what do what do what all these people say now? Hope he finds his truth. <laughs> <laughs> finds his truth. Isn't that a thing that people say when they do stuff that other people don't agree with? 
another another thing that means nothing that sounds right. good to dumb people. Yeah, find your truth, uh, Bruce. So you know, like I said, I. I, I do sort of feel bad for him I, because of the way it's played out. But I mean, it's not like he didn't make these decisions and guess what, you know, welcome to the real world, bro. This is how it works, right? Yeah. Welcome to the real world. And you know, I don't feel bad for him because he's got a great situation. You know, he's, he was going to USC and then things happened there that weren't favorable to his situation. He went to another great school in Texas and now he's like, you know what? I have autonomy. I'm going back home to USC. So, I mean, people can say what they want about him, but man, he's he's got some options in life. Imagine having those kinds of options as an 18-year-old kid. I mean, he's got it going on. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless I, of what us old washed up white people say. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So moving on, uh, you have a lot of, you had a lot of notes on here, but I guess they were all brew related about potential tampering and stuff like that. Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is he in the transfer portal? I don't think he is. So how's uh, he talking to Texas coaches or how's he talking to South Carolina or USC coaches? Cause the report from Trojansports.com was sources say McCoy has informed coach Helton. So does that mean that like the player can actually, even though a player is like enrolled and enlisted and not in a transfer portal, he can reach out to a coach, but a coach can't reach out I mean, to him? Yeah, maybe. I don't know the rules. I mean, I feel like that's, I don't know, man. <laughs> there might be a compliance issue there, but let's move on because we don't have an editor. So I don't know right. what's going on there. So Urban Meyer comes out this week <laughs> and says <laughs> he thinks he's speaking of USC. What I mean, is there any chance that he's not the coach at USC for a year from now? I almost cussed there. <laughs> <laughs> is there any chance he's not? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, if I'm if I'm betting, I'm taking a chance that he's not, you know. But what do you think? Give me your thoughts on what he said, because he definitely spoke in riddles and ambiguity, yeah. which left the door open. So you give me your take, and then I'll respond. All I'm going to say is I believe I'm done coaching. I think I'm done. I mean, look, I understand he had some issues with his you know, health, and there was a lot of people, oh, it's fake, he's faking it, or whatever was going on. I don't doubt that he did. I just think like – you know, take it from take it from me, a guy who works all the time. And then, you know, when I go on vacation, I'm good for like about a week, maybe 10 days. And then my brain just starts firing up and I'm thinking of ideas and stuff I'm going to do and this and that. And I'm ready to go back to work. I can't imagine that like an uber competitive guy like like Urban. I mean, what, what are you going to do? I guess he's going to do that TV show, which is fine, but... I mean, his kids are grown up. Like, I don't know if he has grandkids yet or not, but I mean, I just don't know what you do with your time when you could, you know, nothing replaces that rush you get from coaching in a football game. And I just think if, like I said, if USC calls, if especially if Notre Dame, Brian Kelly were to go to the NFL and Notre Dame called, I, I don't think Urban Meyer would even hesitate. I think he's taking it. So, well, how about this? All right. So his actual quote was, I learned my lesson long ago. All I'm going to say is I believe I'm done coaching. I think I'm done, which is extremely ambiguous, right? Right. But then he – and what do you just erased all of the oh, – there we go. So so he cited the um, – and here we go. Here's a word. Can Dave pronounce this word? He cited the arachnoid cyst on his brain. Did I say that right? Arachnoid? I think you got that right, yeah. So does that mean there's like eight – 
arms reaching out of this cyst. And, and it's, so, like, you know, because an arachnid is a spider, right? So that means there's like eight arms of this cyst reaching into his brain, right? So he says, he cited the arachnoid cyst on his brain. This is from AL.com down in Alabama, uh, which was an issue toward the end of my coaching career, something he is – uh, continued to manage the yelling that comes with coaching exacerbates the headache, not the stress of the job. So exacerbates is another word I just nailed. And to our monosyllabic population out there, our monosyllabic listeners, that means makes worse. All right. So it, it, whenever you yell as a coach, it exacerbates your headaches. It makes it worse. And uh, he said, it's not really the stress of the job. It's just him yelling. So, you know, we got like get back coaches. Can we get like a yelling coach? <laughs> like like urban has like signals like one two three four and like the coach that understands those signals yells at the people what what he wanted to say i mean so he says it's the pressure from yelling the intensity noise he said it's the intensity that forces the cyst to rupture so he has an arachnoid cyst on his brain with eight tentacles that <laughs> ruptures okay. that sounds horrible so i don't know man like you you could be as competitive as you want, but if you have like a spider cyst sitting on your brain that ruptures when you yell, that that's gonna slow you down. And and we talked about this on earlier podcasts. You know, like there's pictures of Urban Meyer like doubled over in pain on the sideline during an actual game, and you, you could just tell that there's actually something wrong. So I I I would I would put my bet in that he's not going to coach again just because of the physical limitations that he's dealing with with an arachnoid cyst and I keep stressing arachnoid right. cyst yeah. because that sounds serious man so everybody that's out there kind of making light of his um his his physical reasons not to return to the game. If you had an arachnoid cyst on your brain, you would definitely be calling in the UPS talking about yo I ain't gonna make it today. All right. So, do you think what about it, that? Yeah, boy, what a what a diet. No follow up on that. What a diatribe that was. Uh, it was it was good radio. Do you, I guess we'll find out. Do you think? Uh, <laughs> do, do you think it's possible that when he went through all that stuff last year, when they got suspended for three games with the Zach Smith incident and all that? I mean, it was a deal was in place that he was going to finish out the year, groom Ryan Day, and then and then be out. You know, help. I think so. I think when look, all right. So Urban's fifty four, right? And and all that stuff that Zach did was just crazy. I mean, when when you're a head football coach, you're dealing with you know your 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 problematic players. You're dealing with Zach Smith, and there are reports come out where there's a class action lawsuit where there's like 27 football players saying they were molested by a uh, or, or sexually assaulted by a team physician who was male. I mean, if you're the head coach of a of Ohio State or Florida, you're dealing with so much other crap than just X's and O's. That I mean. Good Lord, no wonder the man has a spider cyst on his brain. There's so much going on. And he's super – I mean, he owns a career record of 197 and 33. He's 93 and 10 at eight seasons at Ohio State. So he lost 10 games at Ohio State over that span of time, 33 losses in his entire career. What else does he have to prove? What else does he have to gain? If I'm him – I'm definitely riding off into the sunset with that, and I'm not dealing with any more Aaron Hernandez's, no more Zach Smith, no more touchy-feely personal trainers. I'm out. 
I'm done. I'm good. I'm 54. I'm still relatively young. I got my family. I got my kids. I got a freaking vault full of money and I can go get more money on ESPN being an analyst, you know, cause wow. that's one of the, one of the jobs that he's facing. So I, I don't think Meyer will come back. I honestly think that he's genuine and he's gone. Now, if his love for the game brings him back with the, with the arachnoid cyst on his brain, that's a trooper, man. Okay. He, he's a guy in my book. I'm gonna say I do think he comes back, and I think, but it only would be for a certain job. It'll be for USC. It'll be for, uh, you know, maybe Alabama uh, or Ooh. Notre Dame. So, are, are you firing Nick Saban? Well, I'm not <laughs> firing that. Nick Saban, but he's not going to coach forever either. He's a lot older than Urban Meyer, so that's that's what I think on that topic. He's healthier than Urban Meyer, though. He doesn't have an arachnoid system. Oh, he just got a hip replacement or something, didn't he? I mean. I mean, hip replacement and arachnoid cyst, man. Like, <laughs> pick your poison saying, right there. Woody, Woody, if you can have an arachnoid cyst on your brain or a hip replacement, I'm signing up. Go ahead and cut my hip out. Give me a Bo Jackson all day. I ain't trying to get an arachnoid cyst on my brain, dude. I, I wonder how many people have shut off the podcast as you continue to say that. So, all right, let's move on. Now, you've got some stuff down here for our uh, for our football coach uh for football coaches, by football coaches, uh, topic of the week, I think is what we decided to name it. Now, you've got a whole thing here with a bunch of tweets. Now, we don't, <laughs> we don't, <laughs> I wish I, this thing that you wrote, you, I mean, okay, so, oh boy, you really, you really wrote a lot of stuff here. I went in on that, didn't I? You wrote it. What? <laughs> Well, uh, let me tell you something. I'm just going to read it real fast. Just what you said. Right. I'm not going to read okay. it. <laughs> I'm just going to read it. Really Woody, Woody reads Dave's rants. Okay. So Go. Dave says, why do these coaches always extrapolate high school BS to the rest of society? Think about how awkward of a, f- a fit this is to someone in society who's been working at a job for 10 years and telling them not to expect a raise based on seniority and experience. Then then he says, quitting isn't an option. So you're stuck in a dead-end job and you have the qualifications to move to a better spot. You have to work harder in the rut you're in rather than going to a more desirable situation. <laughs> so, it goes on from there. Now, you also... You also uh, <laughs> this grown man typed the phrase grindiest grind that's ever been grinded and thought that was <laughs> if my coach tweets something like that i'm transferring that tweet was the dummiest dumb that's ever been dumped so <laughs> you don't have to say the coach that tweeted it because i don't want to get it. i won't say the names of the coaches but anyway I, we don't have to read the tweets the other thing is you have a you have a section here on floor the fails of florida state marketing i assume you mean they're uh they're recruiting it's marketing. Anything you do on social media is marketing. Okay. So we don't, we don't have to talk about that. Now what we can talk about, cause I don't want to get into, you know, attacking the, the school strategy or whatever. Um, <laughs> oh boy, this list of it's good media. It's good radio. Right. Bro. It is, it's but I'm like, not trying to let me cook, bro. I'm let not me trying cook. To deal with the fallout from this, Dave. Uh, so, and I don't know what kind of mental state you were in when you wrote this 12 po- bullet point. <laughs> I was just keeping it real, man. So, I was in a real mental state. So the issue is that that what people were tweeting about today, and you brought it to my attention, uh, is that uh, Florida State has taken the the why not? Uh, is is that the deal? Yeah. No. So here's what it is. All right, and I'll be brief. Yeah. Brief. So there was a recruit 
that's being um, sought after by Florida State. And so he tweets out an edit made by Florida State Social Media Department. And basically the, the, the tagline or the catchphrase is Florida State, why not? Why Florida okay. State, why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why I mean, Florida State? Why not? This is the issue here. Is that wasn't this guy committed to Kentucky before too? Yes, and that was Kentucky's theme. Once, but you know, they had Yahtzee, and whenever somebody committed, they'd say Yahtzee, and then they would say, "Why Kentucky? Why not?" So Florida State basically took the exact same thing, and this has been the problem with Florida State's social media department. It's just been criticized by their own fans for being extremely lazy and having like no sense of context when they do things. And so, you know, what stoops. Was the, what was the big controversy that everybody got mad about? It wasn't it some- because it was they they tweeted a picture of Martin Luther King. Doing a tomahawk chop, tomahawk chop with an FSU glove on during MLK Day, and it said, "Do something," and and people just lost their mind, and for good reason because are we just going to go ahead and appropriate Martin Luther King as a? Yeah, we know it's bad. We don't have to discuss it, but yeah, we don't have to discuss it. So the bottom line is, this is another, and 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 what did you do here? You answered the why not question. And I don't want eleven. I, well, here's what it is in law school. Okay, so in J school, you're taught to J school being journalism school, which Woody went to. Um, you're taught to op- ask open ended questions so that you know uh, whoever you're interviewing, the subject of your interview gives you a bunch of content and words and sound and noise that you can therefore uh, pick apart and use as your quotes. Right, so you just want to get these people talking to say whatever. Okay, but as a lawyer, you want to ask pointed questions. And one of the first things they teach you when you're in law school and you take trial practice class is to ask pointed questions and never ask open ended questions. Because if you ask somebody on a stand an open ended question, then they can go ahead and they can just editorialize their own story. And now they control the narrative and you don't. And they tell the judge or the jury whatever it is they want them to hear which is a cardinal sin and is going to get you to lose a lot of cases and then stop being a lawyer and go to J school. (laughs) All right. Listen now. So, well, usually people go to journalism school first, then when they can't get a job to go to law school. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of former lawyers that are journalists, and you know this for All a right. fact. That's, yeah, because like I said, they probably did undergrad in uh, journalism. But anyway, Dave goes into 12 reasons why not, which we're not going to read because I don't want to get in Why? Trouble. Let me do it. Can I don't, know, do it? I don't I, Dave, I don't want to get in trouble. The bottom line is Dave makes a lot of good points. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think this is a good strategy. The whole, the reason why, and you might not have even been around at this time, the reason why Kentucky was using the why not thing at the time was because they didn't have a whole lot to sell. Like they were losing, they were losing and they were asking guys to take a leap of faith that they could turn things around. Right. So Florida State has basically become Kentucky football. Well, yeah, five years ago. I mean, that's the issue. Like I said, so you're Florida State. You don't need to use even if they're ranked eighth in the country right now. <laughs> you don't need to use that type of that type of gimmick. The reason Kentucky was doing it is because they were asking people to take a leap of faith, whereas Florida State should not be in that position. So, I I don't have a great feeling about Florida State. You know, me either. Headed into the year, but you know, I've been wrong before. So, 
All right, moving on, Dave. Uh, you've got some. Uh, <laughs> you've got you've got some things down here. I think I'm going to skip over these because we. <laughs> I don't want to uh, to be out here all day, but I do have some things that you will be interested in. Okay, and it's the tweet of the week, and it ties into the uh, four football coaches by football coaches talk of the week. So. This weekend is the the spring meetings for the SEC down in Destin, which, by the way, I should have got credentialed for that uh, because I could have gone down to Destin and hung out, you know, white sand beaches. You ever been down there to the Redneck Riviera, Dave? I can't hear you. Did I lose you? Now, well, Dave is not. I can't hear Dave, so I don't know where he went. <laughs> but anyway, the Redneck Riviera down in Destin, white sand beaches, beautiful place. I love it quite a bit. And uh, we had all types of stuff going on down there. We, you know, this is where usually we get a lot of good stories because you have a lot of the people talking, the, the football coaches end up tending to say stuff. There you go, Dave. You back? Yeah, back. Where'd you go? I was right here. My, my mic went out for some reason. Okay. But I got All right. So anyway, the football coaches often say stuff that ends up catching people's attention down there. I haven't seen a whole lot. There's been a few transfer topics and whatever. But anyway, so somebody asked Will Muschamp about the rules, you know, that they're trying to pass to outlaw the Oklahoma drill in practice. So for those of you who don't know or remember uh, the Oklahoma drill, I guess it depends on the setup. Did you, ever, did you ever play high school football, Dave, or no? Yeah, yeah, I played. Okay. The, the thing is, the Oklahoma drill is kind of soft. What we had was either called the brick wall or blood alley, where the entire team would line up on one side, and you would have one dude at the top of one line and the bottom of another line run around the entire wall, and they would meet up in the middle of the two lines, and then you would get smacked. So you're not laying on your back and somebody drops a ball on you. It's you actually run full speed around the outside of the lines and then you come into the middle of the lines, which was the blood alley. And then if you didn't have any heart, you were getting lit up. So then I've seen dudes break legs, all kind of stuff in that. So also there's like a you know bull in the ring type thing, which is similar where you've got yeah, bull in the ring is stupid. You don't learn anything from that. At least in the at least in a blood alley slash brick wall drill, you learn how to take on. You learn how to shoot the alley. So you know like so the Oklahoma drill or whatever. There was another one. There's one where you would have. I mean, I guess people should know what it is if they're listening to this podcast. But I mean, we would have one where you'd have a ball carrier and then you'd be going one-on-one against a blocker. You'd have to shed the block and then tackle the dude. Right. Well, to me, it was two linemen. Right. Now there's another one. Linemen and a lot. There'd be right. Two offensive linemen, a ball carrier, two defensive linemen and a linebacker. And you had to somehow make it through that gauntlet. Right. Yeah. There was, yeah. Well, there, or there'd be, yeah, there's a variation. There'd be one and one, one offensive line, one defensive lineman, and then one runner and then one like essentially linebacker. So bottom line is it leads to a lot of, you know, putting your head down and trying to run people over. Uh, so it's deemed, you know, kind of unnecessary contact in practice. A lot of people don't even really hit in practice like they used to anymore. So the SEC has a proposal trying to outlaw it. And uh, <laughs> and Will Muschamp, when somebody asked him what it was, said that he didn't know I have no idea what the Oklahoma drill is, is what he says. Right? Yes. Will Muschamp, as a defense attorney, you can be my client any day. 
plausible deniability. You are a smart defendant. Outstanding answer, Will Muschamp. Friend of the podcast, by the way. So then, uh, (laughs) is he a friend of the podcast? Dude, you interviewed him. Did I? Yeah, you interviewed him live at like a signing day event. You went up on stage and interviewed Will Muschamp. I remember listening to it coming back from a rivals camp. How do you not remember this, bro? I, I don't remember. I do. You don't even drink. No, I don't remember that at all. I do remember talking to him. Dude, I'm going to send it to you after the show. I'm going to send you the actual podcast where you sit down on stage and interview Will Muschamp. Me? What do you want, Mac? Are you sure it's this podcast? It was either you or Rob Cassidy, but somebody on this podcast interviewed Will Muschamp on a signing day thing. And I'm pretty sure it was you. Well, I do remember Will Muschamp asking me for a very specific favor uh, sometime within the last year and me telling him, you know, I'd love to come by your office and do a podcast uh, in return for said favor. Uh, and, uh, we never got it. We never got it. Sort of. We'll address it on the next podcast. I'm going to do my research okay. and find well, the world must champion. Maybe I'm is, wrong. You don't drink, I do. So maybe you're right. But I could have sworn you interviewed Will. The the bottom line, aka champ. The bottom line is, South Carolina doesn't call it the Oklahoma drill. They call it the cock drill, uh, according oh, to Billy Embody, as cock is in game cock. So, oh, uh, so he was denying knowing what the Oklahoma drill was just because he didn't want to say Oklahoma, not because he didn't know what it was. Um, I got to stop cutting you off, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other thing, the other thing I saw was now this came my way via Emma Cruz who is graduating from John Curtis high school in Louisiana in the class of 2024. So that would make her an incoming freshman, right? Or something like that. Sure. Why not? I think so. No, no, no. She's like a seventh or eighth grader. Anyway, somehow this got retweeted into my timeline and it was a quote. It was a tweet from Ashley Harris, who appears to be a volleyball coach uh, at VB coach Harris. She says, Surprised a coach today when I offered one of her girls. She said, but she's not my best player. Told her, I agree, but she plays harder than anyone else, has a great attitude and great grades, and shows great respect to her teammates and coaches. Hashtag, I can win with that. Hashtag, more than just talent. Make sure that you know you click on those hashtags, too, because <laughs> so, they're, they're great for directing media content. So... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it just isn't football coaches. This is a volleyball coach basically saying that she would have a player who's not as good on her team. Uh, it's just dumb people that don't know what hashtags are for. <laughs> well, that's, what you, that's what you get mad about. So, so big shout to them. And then, last but not least, we do have we do have some real tweets of the week uh, outside of the football coach purview. This one I really liked, which got. I mean, talk about blowing up. Now, I wanted to ask you this one because you're a dad with a teenage son. Uh, you have battles with all the time. Two teenage, two sons. teenage sons, but one, yeah, one that you specifically seem to have more conflict with than the other ones. <laughs> yeah. so, so this guy tweets, "Why do parents get mad when you sleep all day? Like I'm staying out of trouble and I'm not spending your money. What is the issue here, Dave? Who tweeted that? Who tweeted that? <laughs> Some guy named I am R J Hill." 
Listen, RJ, man, if you need to be adopted, I will adopt you because I have no problem with my kids sleeping all day. I agree with that. You're not spending my money. You're not getting in trouble. You're not messing up my house. None of that stuff. I would rather my kids be dormant than be active getting on my nerves all day. You know, now, now we're talking about the weekend, right? We're not talking about like we're talking about, school. This is probably a summer, va- summer vacation just started everywhere. So generally... Uh, including Max, the kid who uh, comes over here and works in my yard, uh, was telling me that he got in trouble from his dad because he stayed up till like th- three or four playing PlayStation. Hey, and then st- big shout out to Max. Max is still doing yard work for you. Yeah, Matt, well, yeah, I had Dylan. That's like a year long. That's been like a year since the last time you gave Max a shout out. He's a he's a reoccurring ancillary character on this podcast. Big shout out to Max, man. So I had Max's older brother Dylan before, and Dylan went to college, and we we got Max in from the minors. Uh, and and honestly, he's a better prospect than Dylan. <laughs> there we go, man. He's got a nasty curveball. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he said his dad got mad that he slept till one or two in the afternoon, and I do I do remember getting screamed at by my mom. Uh, you know, as I know it's hard to believe based on other stories I've told on here, but you know, she'd be mad if I and- was sleeping in because she had work for me to do around the house. So. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't buy a big old house. My son Jace, who's the one I have the conflict with, uh, a lot of times, he's he, you know, he does what he has to do during the week, and there's not a lot of, a lot of work to do during the weekend. And um, he's a good kid, and I, I wake him up, and he goes to his football training, and he does what he's supposed to do. So if he wants to sleep in, I feel like he earned that. He gets decent grades. He's a good kid. When you're a parent, when you're a dad, especially a single dad. You have limited energy, man. So if your kids are sleeping in during the day or during the weekends, you get to sleep in and they're not bugging you to drive them all across town and do a bunch of things for them. And and when you wake them up, they're actually more effective, you know? So I don't care if my son, you know, mows the lawn. Like, what am I going to wake my son up at nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to mow the lawn? Then I'm going to be that dude who's mowing the lawn at nine o'clock yeah, on a Saturday. I hate that started. guy. Let me tell you something. Right, 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 right. So if my son's out there mowing the lawn at one o'clock, that's on him. It's hotter. There's more mosquitoes out, but he's well rested. He's probably going to get it done more efficiently. And I'm a big supporter of work smart, not hard and work when you're in your workflow. So, you know, I like to think that I'm a more uh, sophisticated thinker than, you know, whoever, uh, you know, his dad is. Okay. Word. So I forgot to mention that Adam Kramer uh, at Kegs and Eggs was the one who brought that Will Muschamp tweet into my timeline. And he, he quote tweeted it, a college football coach summarized in a single tweet. <laughs> so, um, Cock drill. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's a very oh funny God. name for a drill. And then, uh, so anyway, the we're the not going to get into that though. We don't have an editor. The next and I have top, some takes on it. The next tweet of the week, I really, really, really laughed at, and I wish Rob was here to to take to take this one. So, uh, we miss you, Rob. At Malik Sane tweeted, "Music hit different when you're listening to it through your headphones, or when you're in your car, or out loud." On me, <laughs> right? That's what he tweeted. And then Wesley uh, Walker, who's going to play at Georgia Tech, t- retweets it and says, how else you going to listen to it, fam? 
<laughs> on your on your f- freaking phone, like just on the speakers. Oh, I got a rant. Now that's gonna go. T- I'll, I'll save this for my rant. Okay, part but because- the point was that Malik tweeted. It sounds it sounds different when you're listening through it through it through your headphones or when you're in your car or out loud and like better than what you know. Uh, and then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then better than your your boombox with the cassette yeah, tape Malik player says, on it. I'm saying, like, if I'm in my car and I miss something in the song, I'll catch it if I'm listening to it with headphones, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> the whole, this is just profound stuff right here. Yeah, the, the whole conversation really made me laugh. When, when Wesley tweeted it saying, how else are you going to listen to it, fam? I was like, <laughs> he makes a uh, he makes a very astute observation, yeah. fam. That's, that's why he went to private school, and that's why he's going to Georgia Tech with uh, – with uh, observations like that. So they're calling Georgia tech, the Institute now. How about that? Are they? Yeah. They call it the Institute. Okay, yeah. I'm going over to the Institute on Monday. So we'll see what kind of treatment they give me. I'll report back here. Yeah, shout out to Jeff Collins, former temple coach, you know, temple tough, you know, I'm, taking it down to Atlanta. I mean, in- I like, I think Georgia tech's going to make some noise, bro. Now that they got away from the triple option, they're in the heart of Atlanta. They're in the middle of a city. Um, they're going to start getting those recruits from Georgia that, you know, the Louisville's of the world were getting, they're, they're going to be problematic. I, I, I'm a big fan of Georgia tech going forward. I think they're going to, they're going to start making some noise in the ACC in the next two to three years. So Georgia tech fans, make sure you tune into the podcast because we're going to become very pro Georgia tech soon. And Woody's right there. Yeah. I, uh, I ran into Coach Collins at the a Super Bowl party. He came right up to me and said, "Hey, what are you guys going?" I said, "Hey, Coach." Uh, so, yeah, friend of the podcast. Yeah, Let's have him on. That's right. I'm like uh, Jeff. Jeff's an interesting guy. Like, I don't think he'd be a boring interview. I think he'd kind of he'd kind of coach speak you, but it would it would be entertaining coach speak. Yeah, you know he, what I mean, he kind of got me. He kind of got me at the party trying to give me a sales pitch i'm like coach you know look you know i'm trying to be at a super bowl party here can we just get our can we get our free stuff and get out of here you know uh i love it man he's he's on a job at the super bowl party bro i did uh, shout out to jeff collins and then, uh, i did have one more last but not least from our boy dj suede the remix guy are you familiar with him nope but i'm about to be he's the one that does like uh he'll take like like videos on the internet and then turn them into songs but they're actually good uh, he's the one that did the Thanksgiving song that everybody plays. Uh, oh, yams, greens, right, right. corn. Yeah, that's that one? yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. so he's it, a legend. He's a legend. He lives here in Atlanta, and uh, actually, my friend uh, Zach McCann said he has a meeting with him set up. So, uh, coming up, he's going to be flying into Atlanta. So, I've been paying attention to his tweets, extra special as he preps for this meeting. You know, we got to get him as the as the new engineer for the podcast, bro. I don't think he's going to engineer the podcast. I wish he would. But so he tweets, and I thought this would be a fun topic for us to touch on real quick, even though we're kind of going long now. I remember I worked at Dairy Queen. My Oreo Blizzard was so fiery, I had people come to the window and say, nah, I want that guy to make it. Fire! <laughs> Uh, now he, I love that his, I love that his blizzards are fire. Like he's got like two of the two of the elements right there. You know what I mean? Put FYE, which is what they say down here in Atlanta, where they say fire. Uh, so it's more fire. Fire. Okay, my man, fire. I'm, I'm going back to you know uh, MOP firing right. squad. You know, fire. So anyway, uh, 
he does make a point though, because anybody who orders a blizzard will know they're so obsessed with showing you how oh, look we hold upside down. It's not going to fall out. Right. That's their gimmick. Uh, the problem is they don't mix it very well. And you get down to the bottom, it's just ice cream. There's no more Oreo in there. So, uh, my guess would be Stray had a technique to make sure that that didn't happen. But uh, Dave, I was going to say, what, what was the most uh, what was the most every man job that you had? We know you were in the Marines. We know you uh, did some other nefarious behavior. We know you were a lawyer. But did you have what what type of uh, what type of service job, nine to five type gig did you have? The worst job I ever had. Oh, it doesn't have to be the worst. I worked- I'm just saying, like, did you work at a restaurant? Where you did you ever work at McDonald's? Yeah. I worked at Hardee's in Concord, North Carolina, and uh, one of my jobs was to change the oil vats oh, where you cook the chicken in, right? right. So it's, it, I'm closing one night, and I changed the oil vats, and the way you do it is you open the valves at the bottom, and you put these big drums under there, and then you you know, you know you, you take all that oil out, you close the drums, you, you close the valve, and then you put new oil in there. Well, well my genius self... I forgot to close the valves when I put the new oil in there. <laughs> so I poured just like a whole like 10 gallon thing of oil in there. And I didn't even notice that I, it was leaking out the bottom till I looked down and there was like a, a, a ocean of oil on the floor. So needless to say, I didn't get out there till like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so Hardee's was the worst job I ever had, but that's back where Hardee's would give you like, they'd give you, um, uh, a loaded dog with everything, man. They they had a huge menu. They didn't simplify the menu. So you could like get like three hot dogs for like $5 and it would have like chili cheese, sauerkraut, coleslaw, chopped onions. You know, Hardee's was the joint back in the day. You okay. know? So, but that was by far the worst joint. The worst job I ever had was working at Hardee's. Okay. So you, as a 17 year old kid. So you were living in North Carolina and Concord. Why? Uh, my mom remarried and, uh, my stepdad, uh, had a, had a new position down there, uh, a big time, big wig sales position. So, okay. you know, you move where the money's and at, your mom's you know, still as, there, as right? the recruits say you get to the bread. Your huh? mom's still there in that same area? No, my mom's in Charlotte now. My brother's down in the research triangle. He's an NC state grad. So okay. shout out to the Wolfpack. So, so I have a couple of Hardy story. I need you to give me something to riff off of two Hardy stories. Both North Carolina related. So my uncle Tony, uh, you know, my family is Italian there, and some of them moved down to the that uh, just south of the Triangle area. And my uncle Tony had a gig for a long time where he was redoing, uh, like like renovating Hardee's. So he would go in at night. The restaurant would be closed uh, for a certain amount of time, or it would be under, you know, please pardon our dust. And he'd be in there working, you know, re remodeling or whatever. Right. Well, he would steal, this is when I was a kid, <laughs> he would steal, all, he'd steal a bunch of the toys, like for the kids meals and I'd get a package in the mail and it would just be hundreds of them. Uh, yeah. so he'd send them from North Carolina or yeah, yeah, he would send them out. Uh, so anyway, so that's one story. Story number two is, when I moved to North Carolina, my uncle Tony wasn't working anymore, but my uncle Jim, uh, Philantia, uh, obviously. You moved to North Carolina? Yeah, I lived in North Carolina for a while. What part? Uh, right now in Sanford, uh, which is, I don't I'm actually going up there next weekend for my cousin's graduation, but it's it's probably, it's in between Fayetteville and Raleigh right there on Highway 1. Um, 
Okay, so it's in between 95 and 85. Yeah, yeah. Highway 1, okay. 45 minutes south of Raleigh. So anyway, uh, my Uncle Jim uh, would call me every time on the phone. I'd answer the phone. And he, you know, he was like a super like New York type. And he would say, hello, Woody. And I would I'd say, hello. He would say, it's Jim Falancia, your uncle. <laughs> I'm walking every single time he would introduce he'd say his full name and he would tell me he was my uncle and then he would say would you like to go to Hardy's with me <laughs> uh, Uncle Jim loved to go to Hardy's we would go to Hardy's and he was well known in the family for being like a super like miser like being like super tight with his money but he liked me and he would take me to Hardy's and buy me you know some three dollar uh, burger. He was splurged on Hardee's <laughs> for his favorite nephew, Woody. That's right. So, uh, so big shout to Uncle Jim. May he rest in peace. Uncle Tony, also dead. So the Ita- Sorry, Italians are buried right next to each other in the cemetery there in San. Ayo, Ayo, listen, listen, hold on, hold on. So you lived in North Carolina for a minute, right? Yeah. The, the, the best, the, the, the most um, coveted gem for me in North Carolina was Biscuitville. Did you ever get the chance to um, eat at Biscuitville? Yeah, I've been to Biscuitville before. I Here's the thing. What do you put on your biscuit? Well, I would just get the, the biscuits and sausage gravy there. Right. That's all I would get. And it was immaculate. I mean, I didn't want to complicate it because it was perfect. You know, there's certain technology that's perfect. The stapler, you know, you can't get better than a stapler, the hammer, you know, I mean, you're not going to get better technology than that. Biscuits and gravy at Biscuitville had the perfect like biscuit density with the appropriate amount of gravy in this in the in the uh, sausage, and it was perfect. I, I, it's the only thing I ever got from Biscuitville. So if I took somebody there, they'd be like, "What are we going to get?" And I'm just going, "We're getting the biscuits and gravy because it's perfect." So I don't even know what else they had there, but that one that one specialty made them elite. Well, pe- the people are obsessed with biscuits in, in North Carolina. Everyone's going on and on about uh, uh, Bojangles. You know, people love the biscuits there. My my biggest thing is I don't I don't really like a I don't like biscuits and gravy that much. I'd rather just put some butter on it and call it a day. So I'm not a really I'm not a biscuit connoisseur like that. Yeah, I feel like the gravy like saturates the biscuit, so you're not just eating like some like some sand. Um, you know dad, what I mean? My dad used to love them. My dad would get them. You know, we'd go. You know, my dad would start work super early. We'd get up really early, go to the 24 hour restaurant. He'd get it, and then we'd go to work all day. But uh, anyway, so there's your North Carolina story. I knew we'd get some out of it. I was going to say my worst uh, job. I used to work at Safeway. I'm sure you remember Safeway, Dave. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I worked at Safeway for three or four years when I was younger, and uh, I used to have to clean the the meat department. Do you, right? oh, wolf. So, you know, the butchers are back there. Now, a lot of these places, and this can actually roll into my rant while I'm at it. I'm going to go ahead and do both. So down here in the south, for some reason, instead of the butchers just packing up the meat and putting it out there for you to take, they go through this charade where they act like, it's a counter and you got to stand there and you got to say, Oh, can I have a two pounds of salmon? Okay. Then they take it out and wrap it up and hand it to you. It's like, just have it ready to go so I can grab it and be on my way. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no doubt. Go uh, Number two, <laughs> I, I could see your typing there, Dave, on the screen. <laughs> Number two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Number two, I heard this for like two minutes. Uh, number two, uh, cleaning, 
the the meat room. Okay, so the butcher's area. So you've got all the things. We're talking where they grind up the beef. We're talking about like where, where you know everything. And these dudes were were not clean. It wasn't like they would be like, hey, let's throw all this stuff in the trash. And we're talking about I clean this thing with a hose and with some soap and there was blood and stuff everywhere and it was just disgusting and somehow i got roped into doing it and it was a thing where there was only like a few people who knew how to do it and nobody wanted to learn how to do it because once you learned you had to do it so i remember it would take me an hour and i remember there was a phone in there and that was like one of the ways i made it less bad as i would call someone on the phone and try to talk on the phone this is obviously pre uh texting era so i'd have to put on a whole rain gear boots go in there clean the clean the meat room <laughs> like you were at the atlanta camp last year yeah, that's <laughs> disgusting i mean so big shot to safeway i technically retired from safeway due to a uh, legal uh, settlement i made with them so uh nice did you get paid uh yeah well well so what happened was i put in my two weeks notice and they started messing with me and like trying to put me on like the the, the 10 p.m to 6 a.m shift and stuff like that and then, of course, in typical, and I was in a union. I was in the United Commercial Food Workers Union. Big shout, uh, UFCW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're a Democrat uh, all day. Yeah, all right, I'm, look at that. I'm like Rob. No, listen, if they make you be in the union, I'm, you know me. If I'm paying fifty bucks a month, I'm, I'm using every single advantage I can out of it. <laughs> so, as you should, as an educated consumer. Amen. So anyway. There came some discrepancy where then they, they then tried to fire me, like, you know, on, on my way out. They tried to, like, fire me and then not pay me my, like, I had a like, banked vacation pay because I was moving to North Carolina, actually. Which was the beginning of a long cycle in Woody's life of people trying to fire him. So, <laughs> so anyway, I won that one. I did have to submit my retirement and uh, was criminally trespassed from the store. But uh, needless to say... I went there the last time I was in town. I walked right in. I'm, I'm not afraid of them. Uh, so, so big shot. I do love Safeway. Great place to get some Tillamook cheese. I would highly recommend uh, going to a Safeway store. So that wraps it up for us, Dave. Uh, you wanted to complain about something or can we, can we, should we save it? No, you're not going to do the words Dave can't pronounce? Uh, I didn't get any good ones. Put one. it on there. We did get one tweet this week uh, from our boy, who seems to be the only person who listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find these tweets because I get like I get so many people I get tagged in a tweet and then you just get a thousand people responding to it and it's like a bunch of orange emojis uh you know I mean it's never oh ending. no I went to go find it and I have 20 plus notifications on Twitter so I just clicked off of that real fast because yeah. that's always a disaster and I'm always wondering to myself what did I say? <laughs> I'm in trouble now. So Jabari Small tags me in his top six, okay, when he puts it out. Top six? Uh-oh. Oh, no. There was a, yeah, it was a top six. Got 170 retweets and 103 likes. So all those come in my notifications. 123 p- people responded, which also comes to my mentions, including this guy who says, young man... <laughs> And this guy looks. Like, they call you a young man. That's what, he, that's what he calls. That's what he calls this guy. Young man. Well, he tweets it at me because he tweets it at me and the kid. Young man, I won't blow up your feed, but Vol football needs elite players like you and Amari to get back to the top. We can't do it without you. Want to see y'all in orange and white? 
God bless young fella. So he calls him a young man and a young fella in the same tweet. And the dude in the picture looks like he can't be older than like 20. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I once told Fried, I once yelled at Officer Friedman because he called the kid's son when he was like, Ooh, you yelled at, you, whoa, whoa, whoa. You yelled at the officer? I yelled at him all the time, but he once said, he, a kid dropped, did I tell, right, okay, okay, I'm going to tell you camp. about the time he yelled at yeah, me. A kid dropped the pass at the camp and Friedman was like, got to catch that, son. Oh, no, he didn't. I was like, Friedman, hey, you, you can't call anyone son, at least until you have kids. And I think you have to be at least twice their age. Or you got to be from like New York. You know what I mean? If, if, well, Friedman, if Friedman's from Maryland, he's not from New York. You know, son is just like, you just say he son. He didn't say all the it time. son that way. He said it son like a football coach would call you son when they're talking about a player on their team. Uh, so anyway good okay so can i tell you my freedman story from a camp or will i get in trouble i feel like i get in trouble for everything i get in trouble i don't know how bad of a story is it freedman's in no it's not he's never gonna hear this (laughs) all right good all right so 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 we're we're at a camp last year in uh columbus so Isaiah Cummings, three-star wide receiver from Mayo, Kentucky, uh, he goes up against one of the better defensive backs at the camp, and I don't know who it is. And I, I say to my, I say to Isaiah, I say, "All right, Isaiah, let's go." Like like that. It wasn't like, "Come on, Isaiah, let's go." It was like, "All right, Isaiah, let's go." Meaning you're in trouble now, <laughs> you know. And 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 Adam like snaps on me, like he, he like he does a right face position of attention and he goes you don't you don't cheer the recruits you don't cheer the recruits <laughs> all right bro relax well, he probably picked so, that up for me because i one time lost it in the press box at the aforementioned army bowl because some dude started some some kid committed to michigan and this dude just starts cheering in the press box like <laughs> celebrating and i was like take that was it devin bush no, 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 I, was, I remember I remember it being like, it was like, you know, after you're in San Antonio for a week, we tend to get a little testy all being around one another and whatnot. And I mean, I told that dude, I said, take that out of the press box. I said, I do not. I said, this is a working press box. We're not cheering. We're not clapping in here, dude. It's a kid. pick. No cheering in the press right. box. I was like, it's a kid picking a college. Like, come on, man. Like, be a professional. And the dude, <laughs> be a man. And the dude said one thing back and I like popped out of my chair and then that- <laughs> That was the end of the. <laughs> I would love to see you pop out. Of that the was chair. the end of the discussion. I think I might have. There might have been some choice words. I think a couple of our listeners I know were there, so they could probably back up that story and, I, and, and remember it better than me. But it was definitely Woody in the press box cussing at somebody, which has happened uh, plenty of occasions at plenty of different places. So, all right, that wraps it up for us. I don't really have a recommendation. You know, oh, you know what? I did start watching the Society. I'm two up two episodes. Yeah, yeah. What did you think about the society, bro? Two episodes in, so I haven't really, or maybe three. So I, I don't really have a great handle on what's going on yet. But uh, well, it, I'll tell you this. Uh, here's what it is. It's super campy. It's a very campy, like teenage story. It's basically Lord of the Flies in the Netflix era in 2019. Well, I love shows for teenagers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you're, but I do. I do. A lot of those shows tend to have a really good first season, and then just go completely off a cliff. I mean, I had to stop watching Riverdale; it just got so bad, you know. Um, right. Same with and, like Pretty Little. And this Liar. show definitely has, yeah. This show definitely has like going off the cliff potential to it. As my son goes into the fridge and pours, did you hear it, my no, son, I didn't hear. Dave? I didn't hear. 
Uh, anyway, um, it's definitely had it definitely has going off the cliff potential, but it also um, is set up very well for a second season. You'll like it. Finish watching it, and we'll talk well, about it. You know, there's been a lot of consternation in my house about not finishing TV shows. So, uh, starting that, yeah, finish finish the society because I, I do think that it's set up well for the second season. It's got a really good twist at the end that I don't want to get into. Uh, yeah, uh, for obvious we'll reasons. talk about it after. Okay, real quick, NBA Finals preview. Oh, that's everything. Get it. Every fiber of my being, as someone who has covered the NBA, watched the NBA my entire life since I was probably you know six years old. I've been watching, you know, paying attention very close to the NBA. Listens to, you know, five or six different NBA podcasts. Okay, all season long. I, I I went to three I went to three Blazers games in three different cities this this season during the season that tells you where we're at. I do not see any possible scenario in which Toronto wins the series, and I really, yeah, I really me either. The Warriors are going to sweep them or win in five. Now, the the only thing that has me backing off of that is these betting trends in Las Vegas with 90% of the money being on the Warriors and the line flipping the other way from the Warriors being favored to the underdog. That means Vegas is, is, uh, is high on the Raptors for game one, but I just don't see it. I don't care if Kevin Durant doesn't come back or any, I, I don't, I just do not see a way. Now I also thought that Milwaukee was going to, was going to win. Uh, even when it was three to two, I still thought they were going to come back and win. So, maybe dude, they were Mil- Milwaukee was about to go three nothing in overtime. Kawhi, the 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 Toronto's had broke down on the road. They had blown a lead. It went into overtime, and Kawhi just willed that team to win. Then they rattled off four straight wins. I mean, is this, this is like a Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey thing for Kawhi Leonard, who I. Th- absolutely love right so i love this finals i cannot wait now i have tweeted out um Kawhi in seven i've also tweeted out warriors in four so, so i'm all over the place here my mind and my my wallet says the warriors roll easily the best team ever assembled but my heart wants Kawhi leonard to win this and this would be the biggest upset other than Detroit knocking off Shaq and Kobe you know what I'm saying and 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 that Detroit team didn't really have like a superstar like Kawhi Leonard who who people think is an unassuming superstar and is boring but I love Kawhi Leonard because he's just quiet he goes about his business the media is like well what are you going to do after game two he says oh well we're, I'm going to go to Toronto and play game three <laughs> you know, he's just so super literal and the media doesn't really like him but I, I love this dude because he's just a baller I mean he beat my Sixers on that jump shot in the corner that bounced off the rim four freaking times it goes down. It's just such a storybook kind of NBA finals, man. And what a great punctuation mark on it. If Kawhi Leonard is able to pull the David and Goliath off and knock off the Warriors, I want nothing more in my soul than Toronto to win the championship. You know, Drake aside, right? And I, I I just want that to happen. Do I think it's going to happen? No, because I'm a 41-year-old cynical white man. Get off my lawn, and I'm betting with my money. But if, if, if there's any kind of like – 
call to the supernatural for me. You know, if, they, if, if I, if, if I'm going to have any belief in the supernatural, it, it's Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors knocking off the super team that is the Golden State Warriors. And it would be even better if Golden State like loses the first like two games at home without KD and then KD comes back and takes the next two in Toronto and then you split the two games and it, I mean it, there's so many storylines set up it's probably not going to end that way it's going to end up with Golden State sweeping them or winning in five but man they're oh man can you imagine the content if this goes to seven the NBA is back baby if if, if Toronto wins this series all right, so so Toronto has home court advantage. Just to correct you for the, so we don't have to whatever, up. yo. Who cares? It's not about it's not about accuracy here, man. It's about the hero's journey. It's about the abyss, death, and rebirth. You know, uh, Kawhi died last year. He missed the whole game. He's reborn in Toronto. You could call it load management. I'm calling it the death and the rebirth, the transformation, the atonement, the return, and the the glorious ending. Man, it's 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 beautiful, man. It's all set up. If the NBA was smart, they would just put the fix in right now and let Ka- Kawhi win, man, it's, and 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 disband the disband the Warriors, send KD to New York, whatever, okay. man. Just let Kawhi all win right. in Toronto. My official prediction is. Uh, Warriors in five because I do think Kawhi. Why do you have to be such an imperialist? I do think Kawhi is going to carry him to to at least one win, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked for the sweep. And let me tell you, Dave, Rob Casty will tell you if I'm giving our friends out there betting advice, it would be to bet that a team wins by 21 points or more every game. Uh, I mean, talk about big money. If you had bet that in every game in this NBA playoffs, I don't even want to know how much money you'd have because uh, the odds are high and a lot of these games end up turning into blowouts. I think a couple of years ago, uh, somebody had bet the Cavs to beat the Warriors by more than 21 in a game and they did and it hit it like, you know, plus 3,500 or something insane like that. So your, your rational nuanced take on this is so Listen, bad. Hey, I, <laughs> I, I actually hate the Warriors. I have, you know, for the better part of the last few years. I mean, if, Le- if this was LeBron, I'd be living and dying, hoping. I mean, I, I sort of switch back and forth. Like the year the Mavericks beat uh, LeBron in the Heat, I loved that so much. I enjoyed every minute of it. I was rooting against the Heat. But for some reason, I tend to be – I feel like I'm going to be rooting for the Warriors in this series. I don't know why. I usually uh, – maybe because – It's because of Drake. It's, it's because I'm just such a contrarian that I always have to go the opposite, and maybe that's how I feel. But uh, anyway – that's my that's my pick. Warriors in five. We'll we'll revisit it after uh, the series is over, and that's it. That wraps it up. Hopefully, Rob will be back next week. I'm trying to think of where. I feel like I'm going somewhere next week. I'm going to North Carolina at some point, but I think we should have an episode. So that wraps it up. Follow us on Twitter. Leave us a review. We still have not gotten a new review on iTunes since January. Come on, people. I know you're listening. How do I get them stars? How do I get them stars? Yeah. How do we get them stars on our iTunes page? You can't trick me. I have the analytics. I see how long you're listening, which countries you're listening from. So I don't, I mean. How long are they listening? I mean, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but should I pull up? Should should I see which countries we had last week? Yes. Let's see more uh, stats. And hopefully they're listening for the duration of this because. 
We always tend to go long at the end. I feel like our best content is at the, is at the end of this well, so instead I know of the beginning. Like, when I listen to podcasts that I do and they're like, the, one of the hosts is complaining about the length, I get really annoyed because it's just like, I'm not doing anything. I'm already listening to it, you know? I got to get really annoyed to shut it off. Uh, but anyway, we have 33 uh, people from Atlanta as our top city. Huntington Beach, California with 20. Big shout, Cali. Maybe we should talk more Pac-12, huh? Absolutely, man. Let's go. Miami, it's a niche market. Miami, Florida, 12. 13 people from Canada, 8 people from the UK listened to the last episode. So, people, you're in the UK. So, we got like 80 listeners. <laughs> I don't. No, those are, the, those are just the people from the countries and cities break down. It goes on from there. Um, but you got 8 people in the UK. What are you guys doing? You're already coming on here. You're listening worldwide. Uh, you know. Give us a review. We got, we got three people who listened to the episode three times each. Think about that. Jay Sanders. That's me. Jay Sanders listened to it three three different times. Shout out to Jay Sanders, baby. Come on, Jay. Uh, and, and somebody, who's this person? Some other person also listened to it three times. Uh, JHB4UK. Oh, maybe that's one of our British listeners. <laughs> so, oh, no, that probably sounds like a Kentucky fan. If uh yeah, UK is definitely All Kentucky, right. bro. <laughs> we got we got eight Kentucky listeners. Shout out, go Cats! So, so leave us a review. Uh, that's it. We'll be back with another episode next week. M Deuce, play us out, my man. Mm-hmm.